to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation. Chapter 2. Let's turn to our text out of Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. The title of our message this morning is The Tolerant Church. A while back on a Tuesday night, before the Bible study, I had to go to uh, Albertson's grocery store, and as I was doing my grocery shopping and all, I was thinking about the, what I was going to talk about on that night, on that Tuesday night, and one of the things was that as Christians, you know, we're not to be easily irritated and all, you know, and to tolerate certain things. God will give us the ability. So I was kind of pondering over that. And as I was doing that, I was standing in line at the, at, at the cash out, you know, getting ready to cash out. And the lady that was, uh, you know, a couple, you know, people in front of me, she was just taking so long. And it was just something, there was problems. And I'm thinking, oh man, I picked the wrong lane. And so then finally uh, she was done. And I'm thinking, oh, this is better. You know, it's going to pick up. And then someone from another lane came over and started talking to the cashier and had a problem. She had to get on the, you know, on the microphone to get a supervisor. And I'm thinking, boy, this is, this is just frustrating. And I looked at the lady in front of me, and the lady in front of me, her, her face was beet red, and she was so frustrated. And I looked at her, and I just started laughing. And then she started laughing. And I said, you know, I'm going to teach a Bible study tonight. I says, and we're going to talk about, you know, Christians aren't supposed to be easily irritated. And I said, I think I'm being tested right now. And she started laughing. She says, I think you are. She says, I think I'm being tested. And I says, yeah. As Christians, we should be able to tolerate quite a bit because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to love those that aren't lovable. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to, to be patient and kind to people that are not very kind and, and patient. And we can rely on the Holy Spirit to, to do what we can't do in the natural. We can do this supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. But the one thing as Christians we're not to tolerate is sin or the practice of sin, especially sexual sin. And the church, the church of Thyatira, they were a church that tolerated sin. They, they even tolerated sexual sin, as we're going to see. And Jesus calls them out on that. Jesus, you know, calls them out on the carpet and tells them to repent. And so we have this church. It's the tolerant church, but also it's a corrupt church, as we're going to look at if you're taking note. So let's take a look at our text here, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. And Jesus, speaking here, says, talking to John the apostle as he writes, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and to eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the church shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you, 
I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule with the rod of iron. He shall be dashed to pieces, or excuse me, they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So our fourth letter, we've been looking at letters of evaluation or going out. You know, Jesus is evaluating his church. And as we looked at, there's seven different churches there in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and the letters are going out, and there's seven churches. Seven is the number of completion. So actually, if you take all the seven letters together, it's a complete evaluation on the church, and it's an evaluation on us. And we can look at that, and, and you know, sometimes you look at the different churches, and hopefully you know, we'd look and say, oh, that's our church. And most, I think most churches, they, they go towards uh, Philadelphia, and they say, well, that's the church of love. That's our church. That's us. Where we have brotherly love. And, but it's good as we look at the different letters to evaluate ourselves and to say, is there something in, in my life that, that needs to change? Is there something in this church that needs to change? So the evaluation goes out. And, and as we just read, and we're going to look at these verses a little closer, the, the evaluation goes out to us today. But uh, before we get into that, I'd like to do a little you know, background. Thyatira, if you're a note taker, it was about 40 miles southeast of Pergamos there in Turkey. Um, it was more like a town than a city, it wasn't really a city. It was a very a small little town. It was known in a, as a, a working man's town. It was a, a place that they, you know, they were a hardworking community. They, they had many trades. They, you know, they sold clothing and pottery and, and different things. So if you're a note taker, that's a good note to take. Um, they were famous for dyeing of clothing. You know, they had a, a certain plant that they would dye their clothes with. And, and so they sold this all over the world uh, even today, they have this dye. Um, it's called Turkey Red. Don't get on your iPhone and look that up right now, please, maybe later. <laughs> but remember, Lydia was from Thyatira. Remember her in Acts chapter 16? And she was a seller of purple. Um, she sold clothes probably with a special dye, most likely. Paul the Apostle converted her to Christianity, one of his first converts in Philippi. Some believe that uh, that. Lydia started the church. We don't know that for sure. It's speculation, but maybe she did. But this is a good note right here. Thyatira was the smallest city of all the seven churches. So if, you, if you're a note taker, this was the smallest city of all the seven churches. But check this out. They had the longest letter. So this is the longest letter, though they were the smallest church. God had a lot to say about them. Thyatira means sacrifice of labor, which they were a laboring town, so that fits real good. Also means continual sacrifice, which um, they believed that, some say, I don't know, you know, I've read where some believe that when they would take the elements, when they take the cup and the bread, they believed that it was the actual body and it was the actual blood of Jesus, that it was it transformed into the actual body and the actual blood. Well, that's not scriptural. And so they call it, you know, Thyatira, the continual sacrifice. They would continually put Jesus up on the cross and say, oh, he's, he's dying, you know, and there's churches that still believe that. We don't believe that. 
Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He doesn't have to keep going on the cross. We don't have to, you know, even some churches, they won't even throw away. Do you know this? They won't throw the elements away. They won't throw, they, they have to drink, you know, some of the, the, the ministers. They, they make sure even if there's a lot of wine left, they'll drink it all up, you know. I've personally seen that myself because they believe that's the actual blood so you can't spill it out. And, and the, 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 the bread, that's the actual, you know, the body of Jesus. And so it's a continual sacrifice, Thyatira. Romans uh, 6.10, before we get into our text, says, for the death that he died, talking about Jesus, he died for sin once for all, not continual. So some background for Thyatira, if you're a note taker. But it's very interesting. Let's look back in the text. Verse 18, these things says the Son of God. Jesus starts off each of his letters by revealing a part of himself that most, it's most helpful to each of these churches. And here he says, you know, these things says the Son of God. I, I find it interesting, if you're a note taker, never in the book of Revelation does he ever mention this again, or this is the first and only time he's ever mentioned that he is, this, the, in this way, the Son of God. And I believe there's a couple reasons for that. I believe he's saying, I'm the son of God. I'm, I'm not the son of Mary in that type of a way. I'm the son of God. I, I'm the son of the most high. I, I'm one with God. This is speaking of his deity. And, and I believe also it's talking about because they would worship other gods. So we say, no, 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 I'm the son of God. I'm the only one you should be worshiping. But check this out. I thought this very interesting. Uh, the temple of Apollos, and they would worship Apollos, and he was deity. He, they called him a god. He was the sun god. And I think, you know, he's saying, no, no, no. You know, Jesus is saying to them, don't worship the sun god. Worship the son of God. Don't get this confused. I'm not, you know, I'm not a sun god. I'm the god of everything. So very possible. That's why he introduced himself in this way. Have you ever taken a bite of a, a nice juicy apple? Then you notice there's a half a worm after you ate their whole piece and then there's a hole where a worm was, and I'm looking for the worm, and it's gone. It's pretty disgusting. But I think that's what, I think of that when I think of the church of Thyatira, as we're going to see, it looks so good on the outside. But on the inside, there's rottenness, there's corruption. And they hit it real well, as we're going to see. And, you know, it's a, a warning for us. So back in our text, the rest of verse 18, it says, he who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. This is pointing out what we read in chapter one, uh, Jesus in his glorified state. We're going to look into these eyes, these eyes like a flame of fire. One day, as believers, we're going to stand in the presence of the Lord. We don't know what we're going to be like, but we know we're going to be like him. To be absent from our body means we're going to be present with the Lord. We're going to be with Jesus Christ, and we're going to look into those eyes that are flames of fire. His feet are like fine brass. Brass in the Bible speaks of judgment, refinery, strength. And I believe Jesus is saying to them, I, I want to refine you. I know there's rottenness inside of this church, but I want to refine you. I don't want to have to judge you. I see everything. I have flames of, my eyes are like flames of fire. I see through everything. There's nothing in, in, in secret that I don't see. I see everything. And I, I believe that's why he's revealing himself this way to say, hey, I, I don't want to have to judge you. I, I'd rather refine you like like brass or like gold. I want to refine you. And that's, it's a word for us today. He wants to refine us. 
He wants to, you know, conform us into his image and shape and mold us. How do we know that this is speaking of judgment? Well, turn with me, if you can, to Revelation 19, verse 11, please. We looked at this, I believe, last week. We even looked at these two verses, but I'm going to look at it in a different way here. This is speaking of Jesus' second coming when he comes to the earth to judge the earth. When he comes to the earth and he, he puts his foot on the Mount of Olives and it splits open and he comes to, to, to make war with the nations that are fighting against him. And it says, now I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse, that's Jesus. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And this is it. In righteousness, he judges, right? And makes war. What does it say right here? Verse 12. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And his head, on his head were many crowns. We'll stop there. So just showing this is judgment. He's coming to judge the earth. And I believe he's saying, you know, I don't want to have to come and judge you. I don't want to have to come and penalize you. I'd rather come and refine you. So he reveals himself in that way. Verse 19. I know your, your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. This is a model church from the outside as I was talking about the apple. People would walk in this church. This was another model church. And they, were, they would come there and say, well, they've got love. They, they have service to the Lord. They're, they're, they're men and women of faith. They, they're men and women of patience. And, and then where it says the, the last is more than the first, it means that all these areas, all these areas, love is increasing in the church. Service is increasing. Good works are increasing. Faith is increasing. Patience is increasing. So if you, you're in this church, you can say, wait a second. Everybody's maturing. They're growing in their faith. They're growing in love. They're growing in patience. And and so on the outside, it looks wonderful. And I I believe it's important. And Jesus, he's not condemning. He's commending them for this. He's saying, you know what? I see all these good things that you're doing. And don't get me wrong. There's some in the church that were corrupt, but there was others in the church that were doing real well. And I believe this is the group that's doing well. And he's looking at them and saying, you guys are maturing, and that's what's supposed to happen. Keep going. We're called to mature in the church. I, I hope you know that. We read in, in, in our scripture reading, Psalm 92, how those who are planted in the, the house of the Lord will, will flourish and grow in the house of the Lord. And, and as you're planted, we're to grow. He desires us to grow. And I believe one of the biggest problems in the church today could very well be spiritual immaturity. I really believe that, that that in the church today, there's spiritual immaturity. It's like a playpen for babies instead of a workshop for adults growing in the things of God. And the Bible warns us of that, that they'll want to have, you know, they'll want to raise up pastors to tickle their ears and make them, you know, hear things to be fun all the time and everything and not get into the deep things of God and not grow in the things of God. And I believe that's one of the biggest things in the church today. And I wonder today if God, if Jesus, as we're looking at, he, he's, he's evaluating the church and it says that he walks in the midst of the church. He's current and he's here today. And if he was to do that, I wonder if he was to evaluate each one of us personally and say, you know, how is your growth? If he was just here right here and he sat down in the seat right next to you, you know, move over the person next to you, but he sat down, he looked you in the eyes and he says, how is your growth? How is your spiritual growth? Are you growing in love? Are you growing in patience? Are you growing in the things of me? And, and what would you say? You, you can't lie. I mean, if you just sit back and it's not true and you sit back, oh, Jesus, I'm doing actually pretty good. And he's, he'd look at you and say, you, you, you're not, you're lying. I have eyes like a flame of fire. I see right through what's going on. 
This church was growing in love. They were growing in the things of the Spirit. They were growing in, and we're called to grow as we're planted in the house of the Lord. May we not be a church that's not growing. You know, it's cute. Pastor Chuck says this quote. I've heard this for many years. He said, it's cute when a baby, you know, first starts talking. They say, mommy, daddy, dada. But if they're 30 years old and they say, mommy, dada, it's not so cute. It's cute when you see baby Christians in the church. They, they give their life to Jesus. But, but if 10 years down the road, five years down the road, 20 years down, they're in the same spiritual position. It's not so cute anymore. We're called to grow and mature. I remember my first trip to Israel. I was serving at Calvary Costa Mesa, and I was asked to be a bus pastor and didn't even know, you know, never been to Israel, don't know much about it, you know. And so they said, can you be a bus pastor? I'm thinking, bus pastor? I just like to go to just, you know, look at the things, you know. And they said, so I said, yeah, I'll be a bus pastor. And so we, we finally get there, and I was so jet-lagged. Have you ever been so jet-lagged? It's like there's a bucket on your head. That's the best way I can describe it because, you, you know, you're talking to people, and it's like, wom, 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 wom. And then your, your voice is going, wom, wom, when you're like, oh, man, I need some sleep. And then they're talking to you, and it's like, wom, wom, wom. You're like, that's what was going on. And here I'm the, I'm the bus pastor. I'm just like, I want to go to bed. You know? So I get off the bus. I get in the hotel room, or excuse me, the, the, the lobby of the hotel. And the, the lady that was on her bus, she says, well, she goes, excuse me, pastor, where's the dining room? And I said, and I'm just looking at her, I go, I don't know. And this lady, I, I'll never forget this. She, she put her head up like this, and she, she let out a sigh. She went, shh. And she walked to the elevator, and she was just like, you, she, she, that side was like, you're a complete idiot. And I was like, yeah, I, right now I feel like a complete idiot. But, you know, at that point, I was like, I need a little grace right now. I don't even know my own name right now. <laughs> We're to grow in grace. We're to grow in love. We're to grow in these things in the church. This church was definitely growing in those areas. Great scriptures to go with this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. That we should no longer be children, Paul the Apostle says to the church in Ephesus, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may we, what does it say? Grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So Paul's telling the church in Ephesus, hey, we need to grow up, no longer being babies, no, no longer being children, but we're to grow in love. We're to grow in the things of God. Another great scripture that goes with this also, 1 Thessalonians, if you're a note taker, 3.12, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. And may the Lord make you, can we say these together? Increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Paul the Apostle's talking here, and he's saying, you know what? May we increase and abound in love with one another. And then do you notice, just as we do to you. In other words, he's not saying, I'm not telling you to do this, the things that I'm not doing. I'm growing in love. I'm abounding in these things. So watch my life, and you too grow. I remember years ago at the men's prayer meeting, we used to, well, they still do, they, at the men's prayer Saturday, this is a little plug for the men's prayer meeting, Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. here at the fellowship hall. Steve, uh, Pastor Steve's overseeing it now, but it's a, a great time. But, but what the guys do is they, they write down a prayer request, and then, you know, for each guy, they go around the room. You guys still do that? Great. We, a prayer request to, to, you know, what you need prayer for. 
And I used to love that. You know, one time, you know, you know, they asked me, what do you need prayer for? You know, and I'm thinking, I'm like, and just this word agape came out in my head. I said, so, you know, I'm thinking agape. He says, yeah, can you pray for agape for me? And I thought, that sounds good, agape. And they said, okay, you know, just, yeah, God's love, agape. So they write it down and pray for that, right? I remember that week was probably one of my most miserable weeks I've ever had. Because I was, during that week, you know, people that came in my life were just so hateful and so rude and so, you know, just, just terrible. And, and, you know, so there's this, this was coming. I'm thinking, God, I'm asking for agape. And the Lord, I believe, was showing me, well, that's how you get agape. Because agape is a selfless love. I want you to love these people. And I remember going back the next Saturday. I said, guys, take, me, take that off the list this week. <laughs> <laughs> truthfully, I said, I don't think I'm ready for this agape right now. Maybe in a few weeks, you know, but and that right now it was just, it was overwhelming. But the truth is, he has agape for us. He wants us to grow in the things of him. Verse 20, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and to eat things sacrificed to idols. This city also was well known for their trade guild. It was similar to labor unions back then. And the problem was, if you were a part of this trade guild, you were required to go to their feast. And at their feast, they would offer up sacrifices. They would, you know, they would sacrifice to the, the, the god of their trade guild. So they each had, each of their trade guilds had their, their own deity, their own god. And they would, so they would sacrifice an animal and they would, would offer it up as a sacrifice to their god. And you had to be a part of that if you were part of the trade guild. And then also, as part of the, the worship of their God, it would be sexually perverted. They would, you know, where there would be orgies and, and stuff. The people would just get together and just, it was, it was demonic. It was evil. And I believe with this, knowing the fact of this and putting this together, you know, this woman Jezebel, she taught the people and said, you know, I believe she says, well, you know, this is okay. You don't want to lose your job. And you would lose your job. And she would teach, and she was allowed to teach, and possibly she, she promoted and says, you know, and I think she even said, you know, a prophetic word because she called herself a prophetess. She probably said, thus saith the Lord, you know, you must stay. God's given me a vision for you, brother, and all this. God, I don't know what she did, but I know for a fact she was condoning it, and she's a wicked woman. I don't believe her name was called Jezebel, though. I believe that it was symbolizing Jezebel of the Old Testament. I just can't see anybody calling their their child Jezebel. Maybe it is. We don't know, but it's, it's probably not. It'd be kind of be equal to calling your son Hitler or Judas or Lucifer. I mean, it's this, this woman in the Old Testament was probably one of, probably the most wickedest women in the whole Old Testament. She was wicked. She caused Israel to fall sexually. She introduced uh, Baal uh, worship, the Ashtaroth, and her, I believe her, her father was like the, the high priest of Ashtaroth, and, and so they she brought in this worship, and it was a mingling. It was like she was saying, okay, yeah, you go ahead, worship your, your God, the true God that you call Jehovah God, and you, you worship him, but also we're going to worship my gods, and we're going to do this perverseness, and this is who this woman represented the, in this church of Thyatira. But notice, please, it says you allow, because you allow that woman, speaking to leadership, saying, you know what, you should have corrected this, but you allowed it in the church. You allowed sexual perversion in the church. You allowed sin in the church. You allowed this woman 
to, to do what she was doing, and you should have disciplined her. Leadership should have sent Jezebel down the, the road, but they didn't. If you're not a Christian and you're searching, that's a whole different story. You can sit in the, the pew, you can sit in the, in, the, in the chairs and listen to the message, but once you say you're a Christian, there needs to be discipline. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.